Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life, to banish the years of yo-yo dieting, heal your relationship with food, make lifelong changes to your health by learning evidence-based nutritional techniques with self-compassion, mindfulness and behaviour change to feel more accepting and confident both in your mind and your body. We'll likely be adding a little bit of feminism, some sass and some humour along the way. I hope you enjoy and thank you for tuning in. Hello everyone, happy Friday. I hope you're all having a wonderful start to the 1st of December. What an absolute treat for the soul December is. I am genuinely, genuinely so excited for December this year. And after doing a little bit of reflection this morning, as I was opening my hotel chocolate advent calendar, and I think it was a, was it called a dizzy? Now I'm going to sound really posh. (laughs) Praline? I want to say praline, but (laughs) Midlands. But I think it's praline. Oh, it was delicious. It was so lovely. And I did a bit of reflection this morning. And of course, I put it in the group. And I've just actually come off a live with Annie on a social media about going out socially. And, you know, I wish I could go back and tell 25-year-old Rebecca now that everything would be all right, that she wouldn't have a life consumed by food or fitness, or her body, or perceived thoughts around other people's opinions, good and bad food labels. I just let her know that everything's going to be okay. And I think, you know, you can really look back and see through the eyes of compassion, how far you've come in terms of qualitative data. And I talked to a lot of you about this, like quantitative data we know is scale weight, we know as reps, we know as steps. But the biggest changes you will make are ones that you cannot see, but you can feel. That you can genuinely get excited about an advent calendar and it'd be joyful. And I know I've been speaking to a lot of you about advent calendars this year and getting to the point of including them. And again, <clears throat> and many of you have avoided them also. But when you can allow yourself permission to eat some chocolate every day because you're accepting of who you are right now, and you know that you are enough, that's phenomenal, but that's qualitative. Where you feel comfortable around food, where you haven't got the advent calendar talking to you saying, well, you might as well just eat all of me now because you've just ate one of me, which I know is a trap I fell into in my early 20s and I'm sure many people will resonate with. And we know that the biggest change comes from the process. It comes from behaviors. You don't lose body fat by just focusing on calories and steps. You lose body fat by focusing on the process, by changing your behaviors, by removing limiting beliefs, beliefs that you can't eat chocolate, beliefs that there are good and bad food, beliefs that you need to avoid food, beliefs that you need to remove all the food out of your diet, out of your house in order to quote unquote lose weight. Because you know what happens after that? You've lost the weight and then you're like, well, I'll eat the food again because I've lost the weight. But there's, no, there's been no behavior change. There's been no removal of these limiting beliefs and these self-fulfilling prophecies. So then when you get to the end of your fat loss, you go back to eating the chocolate, you go back to eating, going out socially, go back to drinking the wine, 
you regain the weight because there's been no real change because all you've done is focus on the outcome. You've lost sight of the process and you haven't internalized and gathered data on qualitative results, i.e. how you're feeling throughout the process, i.e. the biggest changes that you're making. And I know one of your legends in the group yesterday, she was talking about how proud she was of herself that this is how consistent she's been with breakfast. That is massive. Like genuinely, that is huge. And even when you've fallen into overeating to get up the next morning and have breakfast, that's massive. That's self-compassion. And self-compassion and acceptance are two key fundamental things that you need to be able to bounce back from setbacks. Without those, you fall into the victim mentality. Without those, it's all or nothing. And this is where and limiting beliefs and self-fulfilling prophecies, when you break those down, they allow you to live more in the moment. They allow you to be more present. They allow you to reduce the preoccupation. They allow you to be social, but actually taking everything around you, not focusing solely on the food. And for a lot of years, and I know many people will relate to this, like December can be just about food and we lose sight of everything else that is going off in December, that it is the joy, the memories, the connection, the chance to relax, the chance to see people we haven't seen for a long period of time, the chance to get out and have some really lovely winter walks. You know, December is about far more than the food, but what we can see is like knuckle down November to YOLO through December to get back on it in January. And these same fitness accounts that are promoting this are the same fitness accounts that are going to prey on your vulnerabilities, profit from your insecurities in January. So I'm saying to you now, be careful because the actions that you take in December shouldn't wildly be different from those any other month of the year. No avoidance, no YOLO. And you can strike the balance with a compromise. And that compromise looks like for the majority of the time, eating nutrient dense foods, but then allowing yourself permission to eat a mince pie, to go to a festive market, to go out socially. It, it doesn't and it shouldn't be a dichotomy and it shouldn't be a month of the year where you're just thinking sod it what's the point because how is that compassionate to yourself you wouldn't do that to your children you wouldn't give that advice to your best friend and this is where we can really look at the advice that we give ourselves and start to internalize that through a different lens and start to then take on the behaviors that we would do to those around us and that's one of the biggest things that I had to start doing many many years ago now was like why am I treating myself like I'm an absolute arsehole because I'm not you know anyway that was a big 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 long introduction so hi welcome hello <laughs> thank you so much for everyone's messages about new york it was magical it actually confirmed that i don't like big groups of people though which is wild <laughs> and also that travel sickness is crazy at 33 absolutely crazy <laughs> so yeah i'm not looking forward to my next flight but i am going to get some anti sickness tablets because I don't want a repeat episode because shockingly you can learn from every experience right here's me learning here is me practicing what I preach <laughs> right anyway let's go let's go um number one is there a limit on the amount of times you can go out and still achieve your goals no absolutely not I once had a client who was traveling the world and she was out obviously every single meal and she still achieved her goals. You can go out for every meal of every day and still achieve your goals. And this is where we can pull in a limiting belief that you probably hold that going out socially is bad and going out socially sends you off track. And if that's a limiting belief you hold, that'll be a story you tell yourself. I.e., it'll probably go something like, when I go out, I always overeat. Shockingly, if you tell yourself that, that behavior will follow. And if that behavior then follows, if you're going out 
five, six, seven times a week, but you tell yourself you're always going to overeat, then you're going to overeat past your calories, past your energy intake, which will then prevent you achieving your goals. It's nothing to do with a social event, however. It's to do with the belief that you hold around the social event, the categorization of social events being bad, and likely some meticulous control when you're out socially, which will lead to a loss of control. When we're looking at the simplicity behind energy balance, it is just calories in versus calories out. Sure, we live in a feast environment where food is around in abundance and like socializing, there are there there is more density in the meals right if you were to go out for a sunday roast it'd be higher in terms of the caloric intake than it would be if you made it at home right the more times you go out per week just means the more you have to compromise so if you're going out once a week and you're like yeah i'm gonna go out and have a burger and fries then that's cool but if you're going out eight times a week you can't realistically go out and have burger and fries eight times a week because the energy density of that You would have to reduce your calories too much around it, which is the worst advice I would ever give anybody because that would only perpetuate further overeating. The biggest thing here is the behaviors. So maintaining a regular eating pattern in the day is essential. Essential because then when you get out of an evening, you're able to make a more open-minded compromise. And say if you are out eight times a week, right? You've got to make more compromises. So you've got to also sit with the recognition that not every eight meal will be a mouth orgasm. Some of them are probably going to have to be a little bit mediocre because you are compromising a little bit more. So maybe you pass on the mash and you have a bowl of vegetables. Maybe you pass on the chips and you have a side of salad. Maybe you pass on the alcohol and you opt for a Diet Coke because you're having to compromise and strike the balance more frequently over the week as opposed to just going out once. But it's nothing to do with going out socially. It's to do with your belief. So breaking down the belief that going out socially is bad, because if you believe it's bad, you believe you will overeat, you will follow that pattern, and then you will forever be trapped in this yo-yo cycle of, oh my God, I just went out and overeat. You have to go away now and seek new evidence. And that new evidence comes from making sure you're eating a regular um, meal pattern in the day. You are not reducing your calories in the day. You're maintaining your protein and your vegetables around that meal out. And then when you're going out socially, you've got then the ability to compromise, come back to your body, take some deep breaths, prolonged exhale breaths. That will help reduce your stress response and it'll also give you the capacity to pause. Check the menu. What would you like? Okay, how many times have I been out? Check in with that. Check in with any stories that come up and look at where you can compromise. And where you can compromise then is the acceptance of that situation and recognizing that you are making a value-aligned choice. And a value-aligned choice then sits comfortably with you. So yeah, no, you can go out as much as you like, but it means more compromising. Um, Any advice for handling an 80 hour plus week with staying on track this festive season? I find I tell myself I am lazy and just can't be bothered to cook or work out. Well, I think firstly, you're not lazy. (laughs) If you're doing an 80 hour plus week, you are definitely not lazy. Let me just first say that. And I think secondly, we can look at your expectations. And we know a lot of the time and a lot of people I work with come through with wildly high expectations on themselves. And I think some of this comes from previous dieting methods, you know, whereby maybe you've been told to cook everything from scratch. Maybe you've been told that 
you need to eat every meal that's home cooked and has got all fresh vegetables in and you've peeled the potatoes for an hour. And maybe you've had the belief that you need to work out six times a week. And then you factor in an 80 hour week and then you factor in other commitments like socializing, like children, like finding time to have sex, all of these things. Mm, it's going to become a dichotomy. So what expectations do you currently have on yourself? And it feels really vulnerable for a lot of people to remove their expectations and actually reduce them. But here's the thing. Wildly high expectations meet perfection. You're trying perfectly to do everything, but actually that will send you into a frenzy of doing nothing, which will actually prevent any action being taken. You reduce your expectations. You allow yourself some acceptance of where you're at right now. Pull in some resilience. This is temporary. And meet yourself with imperfection. And imperfection, as I say time and time again, creates more action than perfection ever will. If you said to yourself this week, like doing an 80 hour plus week, right, all I want to do is eat three meals a day, have protein with at least, a protein vegetables with at least one meal and daily movement. And that daily movement could look like yoga. It could look like a stretching. It could look like going for a walk around the field. It could look like taking the dog out. It could look like a kettlebell session. It could look like a gym session. There's no like data on it. It's not hit 1500 calories. It's not hit 250 grams of protein, whatever. It is just three non-negotiables and baseline expectations. If you do anything more than that, you're winning, like winning. But if you meet that, which everybody can meet that, you're also winning. Instead of saying, I need to eat every single meal with protein and vegetables. I need to home cook every single meal. I need to do a workout every single day. And I need to reflect every day. And I need to do this every day. And I need to do that every day. And I need to do handstands for breakfast. You are never going to do that. Never. And actually the ability to adapt and be flexible to these times of your life is huge growth because you stop the on or off. And actually you'll find that if you reduce your expectations, set some non-negotiables, you will then find you're taking more action around the festive season. You're more mindful. You're more self-aware. So I'd come back to your non-negotiables here and I'd quit telling yourself that you're lazy. And when you can't be bothered to cook or, or work out, I, I can't be bothered to cook genuinely. And I was saying this to a couple of wonderful clients yesterday. I'm very lazy when it comes to cooking. Very lazy. Purely because I love food and I absolutely love it. But I don't want to waste my time cooking, genuinely. Like, for me, I'm like, no, I'll do some work. Or I'd rather walk the dog. Or I'd rather just read my book. For me, cooking is the same as driving. It's dead time. I don't like it. So I buy porridge pots. And I put hot water in them and a scoop of protein powder. And that's my breakfast. I buy packs of root veg mash. And stick it in the microwave. I buy ready-made trays of cauliflower cheese and put it in the oven. I even buy already chopped carrots, already trimmed green beans, already chopped cauliflower. <laughs> I am so lazy when it comes to cooking. Right, okay, it does cost a little bit more money, but for me, the time, time I get back, that for me is invaluable because it allows me to do an obscene amount of work in the week, but it also allows me to have a social life and it also allows me some time for myself. So maybe look at some some swaps like that. Um, how to be more mindful when I'm working and it's really busy and you don't have much time. So 
being mindful is really important. It is being really, it is really important. But I think we can overcomplicate it quite a lot in society, whereby we try and implement every single mindful cue that you've ever been exposed to. So remove distraction, slow down your pace of eating, um, chew the food, like really honor the taste, the texture, the smell, <clears throat> excuse me, check in with any voices that are coming in, put your knife and fork down halfway through, um, lean into the hunger scale, allow yourself 30 minutes after to set the edge. Like there's so many mindful cues that you can do, but realistically speaking, when you're busy, you're not going to be able to do that. And that's, again, going to send you into a frenzy of overwhelm. And if we come back again full circle to the ability to adapt and be flexible and be open-minded and know that if you're being mindful with meals, it isn't about ticking off every single cue. And I mean, in busy times, simple things you can do is just a prolonged exhale breath. And the reason I say that in particular is because physiologically that's going to reduce your sympathetic nervous system and engage what's known as your parasympathetic nervous system which is your rest and digest so then if you're doing say like three big prolonged exhale breaths you're going to reduce your stress response and help your body with the digestion process of the food which is going to help you with more comfort reduce any bloating reduce any gassing so i'd say to yourself now what expectations do you have on mindfulness on mindful cues with your eating around busy times and can you just say right okay if i'm if it's like the middle of the day and it's lunch and I only have 15 minutes to eat, can I just do three long exhale breaths, which you absolutely can do because you're breathing before you eat and set that as your intention. And then if you want to really hone in on mindful cues and I know just one meal a day, I remove distraction and I really slow my pace of eating down, but that's my evening meal because I have more time to do that. So navigating that with more of an open mind and being flexible, but not just all or nothing, your mindful cues, I think is really important. Okay, next one. What are the benefits to trying to lose weight in December? It's interesting, isn't it? I've been in a fat loss journey in December once and I would never do it again <laughs> because it was a photo shoot journey. It was tragic, absolutely tragic. But Losing weight in December is no different to losing weight in any other month of the year. I think we have to remember that. However, it's whether or not it's value aligned for you right now. And there's only benefits if it fits your life right now. And I think this is where society are massively let down by misinformation in the media, misinformation from diet plans, different cults previously, that if you're in a fat loss journey you're quote unquote in a fat loss journey and that's it but actually you know if you're in a fat loss journey and then you hit december and you're like christ my work commitments have ramped up i'm out six times a week <clears throat> i've got lots going on and i want to just give myself a bit of flexibility, a bit of wriggle room here. I'm going to pause fat loss through December because actually I've checked in with my values. And right now my values are connection, family, growth. Actually growth can look like saying to yourself, fat loss isn't important to me in December, but come January when everyone's got January blues and everyone's skin because everyone's spent an absolute fortune at Christmas, then maybe 
I can sit with a bit of restriction then. Because you've got to also consider that if you're going out socially, like I mentioned on the first the first question, that you're going to have to compromise a bit more and you will have to compromise even more if your goal is fat loss. And I'm sorry, but it's not nice to try and diet in winter because it's freezing. It is freezing. And we want like a little bit more comfort food. Like we want some mash, we want some roasts. We want like gravy and it's delicious food, right? But there are benefits to trying to lose weight in December. If you've got excess body fat and you can diet on high calories, then you can probably compromise and that be quite comfortable for you. But it's coming back to your values. It's knowing what's right for you and knowing what aligns to you, not to a perception that you believe you should be doing from misinformation previously. To come back to your values. What are the benefits to you trying to lose weight in December. And I think as well, remembering that fat loss is a stress on the body, like you're doing something that your body doesn't want to do naturally. So if you're already in a place of high levels of stress, can you then deal with more stress? You know? Are there any supplements that I should be taking? Um, Yes, vitamin D, omega-3. They're the two that I recommend to everybody. Vitamin D, we don't get enough of the UI content from the sun because it's rarely, if ever, out. Omega-3 has got EPA, DHA, two short-chain fatty acids in that are essential for hormonal health. And I also recommend to every single person, creatine monohydrate, everyone. Um, creatine phosphate is found in our muscles. It's an energy source. It's only produced in very small amounts. If you're supplementing with creatine monohydrate, three to five grams, that can help with performance. It can help with strength. It can help build muscle mass. But also, especially perimenopause, menopause, it can help with cognition, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, creatine monohydrate. And I just get mine from my protein. And I also get my vitamin D3 and omega-3 from there as well. And then there's other considerations to make, but I know the, the, the person that asks this is not vegetarian or vegan. So yeah, they're the only ones I recommend. You don't need to be supplementing anything else, rather a Mediterranean style diet, movement, bit of gratitude, bit of emotional well-being. Oh, there you go, you're swimming. Self-compassion, acceptance. Thank you very much. And that's it. That is it from me and my uh, my brain today. You're all welcome. Let me know if you've got any more. Thanks so much.